Welcome to season three of the US-China Nexus. We'll be picking up where we left off last season, exploring different facets of China's growing global footprint. China is a superpower anew, and its economic pull and security influence continue to spread far and wide. This season, each episode features a conversation with experts who examine a distinct form of China's expanding reach. In this teaser, you'll hear excerpts from season three's first two episodes, conversations with experts on China's overseas security partnerships and Taiwan. You'll hear from Lev Nachman, Christina Lai, Sheena Chestnut-Greetens, and Paul Nantulia. Tune in in two weeks for the launch of season three of the US-China Nexus. Taiwan has been a hot topic in recent years in both the broader U.S.-China relationship, but also, unfortunately, in the context of the war in Ukraine. But I really want to start by trying to situate Taiwan itself, its politics, and the role that it plays in geopolitics more broadly. So I thought we could turn to Lev for a little breakdown. Taiwan today is a democracy, but Taiwan was not always a democracy. Now, Democratization began in the late 1970s, early 1980s, and officially Taiwan became no longer under martial law in 1986. And then the first free and fair elections started sort of in 1992, but the first real big election was in 1996. And today Taiwan is a very big, robust democracy, one of the freest in East Asia. It's really become a role model for democracies around the world. That being said, there's a giant elephant in the room, which is that Taiwan is a contested state, meaning that it is a de facto independent state, meaning it acts like a duck and it quacks like a duck, but we don't call it a duck. It has its own passports, its own laws, its own citizenship, but it is claimed by the People's Republic of China still. The geopolitics are an important part, but it's not the only element through which Taiwan interacts with the world. Christina, I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about Taiwan's economic statecraft. What kind of policies does it pursue to maintain these economic ties with the world? The Taiwanese government has responded to China economic pressure by diversifying its trade and investment in Southeast Asian countries to lessen dependence on China. However, it will still take quite a long time for Taiwanese economy to achieve such structural change. As of now, I think Taiwan has remained reliant on China's economy making it vulnerable to economic coercion and political pressure. So by enhancing our understanding of how and under what condition economic coercion can impact the probability of conflicts, a scholar and practitioner can effectively assess the current development of China-Taiwan relation and Taiwan use of economic statecraft. We're talking today about China's overseas security partnerships. To understand these partnerships, it would be helpful to first understand how they fit into China's conception of national security. It'd be great if you could shed some light on how China, and this is particularly under Xi Jinping, how does it think about national security and how do these expanding security partnerships fit into that commitment about always thinking about security? National security, which can also be translated as state security the words are equivalent in in Chinese, is really first and foremost a regime security concept. And it's the security of the authority of the Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party, of China's socialist system, and of Xi Jinping at the core of that system. It's highly preventive. Xi Jinping has spent a long time pushing the party to try to be better at detecting and acting earlier on potential threats to regime security. It also sees external and internal security as highly interconnected. 
one of the interesting things about the concept is that it has primed the Chinese political system to interpret external events and world events through the lens of how will this affect the security and the ability to hold power of the Chinese Communist Party. I want to shift us to the security partnerships. I wanted to get your perspective on what kinds of security partnerships China has developed with third parties, particularly on the African continent. What makes these partnerships attractive to recipient countries? China, I think, has become more of a partner of choice, if you will, and has developed more comprehensive and multifaceted security and military relationships in Africa than it has in, for instance, Latin America or the Caribbean or even South Asia to some extent. Africa has really been the center of gravity and continues to be the center of gravity for Chinese military and security engagements. Foreign training is a popular activity for African countries. It allows you to update your own training. It gives you access to foreign technology, to foreign military doctrine. It allows you to strengthen political ties. It's popular and it allows you to develop capacity back home. Our show is created and produced by Eleanor M. Albert. Our music is from Universal Production Music. Special thanks to Toya Ulan, Sherman Tong, and Amy Vandervliet. For more initiative programming, videos, and links to our events, visit our website at uschinadialogue.georgetown.edu. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform.